Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. News team, assemble! Bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Presented by the Choctaw Casino and Resort in Durant. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew. Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, we are back. It is the unofficial 40 presented to you. By the Choctaw Casino in Durant. Uh, I want to remind you guys, Choctaw Casino in Durant uh, could not be, would not be possible to do this podcast each and every week. And uh, our follow-up podcast, uh, the Eskridge Lexus post-game podcast, which uh, go to iTunes, subscribe if you're not on either one. That way you'll get this uh, much faster if you're on your iOS device, uh, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher if you're on Android or Google Play Store. Uh, so make sure you go and subscribe to uh, both the 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 uh, uh, look up Oklahoma Sooners unofficial forty uh, for this podcast brought to you by Choctaw Casinos uh, and also the Oklahoma Sooners post game podcast uh, that's brought to you by Eskridge Lexus. Uh, appreciate everybody uh, over uh, twenty thousand downloads of our uh, post game podcast. Uh, over the weekend, so that was outstanding, the most we've ever had there, so you guys are really uh, listening to that and getting it and subscribing it, but uh, Choctaw Casinos uh, over in Durant, want you guys to go check them out, it's a bye week, hey, uh, if you're looking for something to do this weekend, uh, go over to Durant, uh, easy trip from Oklahoma City, even easier trip up from Dallas if you're listening from there, uh, they've got uh, great rooms, uh, great prices over there, uh, some of the nicest hotel rooms that you'll find, and remember, they got the uh, the roulette table and the craps tables now, which uh, make it even more fun, the poker rooms, if that's what you're into, uh, lots of slots, lots of uh, the great places for you to hang out there, the district uh, where they've got bowling, uh, they've got the, the cinema uh, multiplex, they've got the, the tailgaters bar, uh, Gilly's uh, restaurant is over there, it's really cool, uh, and lots of great places to eat, the, the steakhouse, uh, the, uh, the cafe, the all-you-can-eat buffet, it's, it's fantastic, like that is, they have one of the best hangover all-you-can-eat places that I've ever been to, I'll just tell you that. I know from experience. So, uh, anyway, guys, it's been uh, nonstop since Sunday, since we got done uh, with the cotton at the Cotton Bowl. Uh, Eddie and I uh, wake up on Sunday morning, and the rumors are already starting to fly. Uh, we come back, and we end up doing two post game podcasts because we did the pre Mike Stoops firing and the post Mike Stoops firing. This week, we finally got a chance to talk to Lincoln Riley and Ruffin McNeil. And uh, we'll just go over uh, quickly Lincoln Riley's comments from uh, Monday after practice. Lincoln, could you talk about your decision that you had to make last night with Mike Stoops? Yeah, it was a tough decision. You know, probably the hardest day I've had here as a, as a head coach for sure. Um, you know, tough because I know what Mike's meant to this program. You know, the kind of guy he is, kind of friend he's been to me. Um, been through a lot together with him. So very difficult. Um, but... 
at the same time, my job is to make the best decisions for this program, you know, and for this this team right now. And I just, at the end of the day, I felt like we needed a new voice. Um, we needed just a little bit of a spark. And uh, I thought that making the change was right uh, for that reason and also because I felt good about the guys that we have in this room and a, and a plan for the rest of the season because this team's got a lot in front of them. You know, this team, this team could could make a run here. I mean, and, and we all feel that. And so there was, I didn't think about anything down the line. It was all about this team and what's best right now, and that's what I felt was best. Was can, all right, so uh, Josh McQuistian, Eddie Radosevich, Bob Prisbillo all here to join us. Uh, and guys, uh, you know, that was really Lincoln's first chance to explain why the, why the change was made. There are plenty of other questions. Uh, we've had that. We've We've had Ruffin McNeil being uh, promoted to interim D.C. Bob Dialco is now a full-time assistant. Uh, you've had lots of drama, lots of rumors floating around. Yesterday, you had Mike Stoops calling in to uh, the sports animal and uh, asking Jim Traber why he keeps reporting false rumors. So it's been a little bit of everything. It's been a circus. It's been it's a been circus, been for sure. insane week. Uh, and I don't even know where to start. I mean, I really don't. Well, <laughs> we had the post game pod. God, it's 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 like all this has happened, and it's almost been forgotten that. I guess it hasn't been forgotten that Texas whooped the shit out of Oklahoma Kinda on Saturday, has. but it, it feels like it. That game was so long ago that let's just say that football has not been the foremost topic of yeah. conversation. Okay, that's that's fair. This team, the way this team is playing, because look. The defense is starting over. I mean, that's I think that's that's bearing the lead. Defense no longer has Mike Stoops. Ruffin McNeil will take over, and I feel like I I feel free to chime in here, but I feel like disappointment awaits. Well, I I mean I don't I don't think that it's not Mike Stoops' fault that they can't tackle anybody. It's not. It's not Mike Stoops' fault that when oh, Caleb recruited Kelly recruited them, Eddie. Well, goddamn! I mean, it's not his fault when they. It's nobody's fault when they come off the edge and Caleb Kelly just completely overruns whiffs the play the and whiffs on the tackle on the sack. I mean, that's a play that you would expect an eighth grader to make in a JV game. And I, you would and yell I, at him if they didn't make yeah, it. Yeah, I hate to like just throw him under the bus, but that's one of the plays that sticks out. It's Ryan Jones' fault that he doesn't know how to defend the option on the short side of the field. I mean, I guess it's his fault if he's not coached it, but, I mean, that kind of seems like a read-and-react type situation. Uh, so, no, I, I don't think it's going to be a overnight change. Now, do I think that they're going to do some things that... It, it seems like anytime somebody's let go in this situation, you look at anywhere across the country, when a defense coordinator's let go, the defense will play... There will be some times where they play better, and I think that a lot of it has to do with the two teams that they play over the next two two weeks i mean tcu's not good offensively mm -hmm. uh kansas state's in an abomination of no that's i mean it's true but i i don't know i i think they'll play better but i don't think that that means necessarily that it's it's a big deal you know i mean i still think tech's gonna throw the ball all over them right there was one quote that i heard this week and it was literally like my heart broke for the crimson corner I don't know if you can if if that goes through your mind, uh, but you have a change like this, and like Lincoln said, they needed a new voice, 
and everyone's like, oh, what are they going to do? Okay, they're going to, like when Ruffin McNeil took over in 2007, their defense became more aggressive. Like 2007, by the way, was also, what, 11 years ago? Yeah. Like I said, that was before Kevin Wilson brought the no-huddle offense. That was before Kevin Wilson brought the no-huddle offense to OU. Yeah, I mean, in in football terms, 2007 was 50 years ago. I mean, you're not lying. That's not that's not an exaggeration. It's changed a lot, and they played pretty well in 2008, though, when you had Texas and you had Oklahoma and you had Texas sure. Tech. I just I I don't know. I I there's a lot of uh... but but here's <laughs> the point I was making. Everybody is hoping for all these big sweeping changes now, and then Ruffin McNeil said this. Well, the ideas we had on defense, we all were a part of. I like what we're doing. Okay. So it won't be any changes in, in, in nomenclature or vocabulary. It's not a complete, it's not an overhaul at all with that. You know, the kids, the biggest with, with interim tag that was asked earlier is as most minimal, minimal um, adjustments as possible. And uh, so it's held true here. How about this? I think it's, you know, Riley has said they needed a new voice or whatever. I don't, I don't think that's bullshit, but I think it's wrong. I think it's they needed the new a new messenger. I don't know about if the the voice is going to be different as much as the messenger. Is that maybe too much? They just didn't. I mean, it, it I mean, was that's going why in they, one that's ear why and out they made the, the other. Move is because to, with Mike Stoops. right? That's why they made the move. I mean, it was a culmination of a lot of things, but I think that you know the voice is largely going to be about the same. And how Just, how dramatic of a change can they really make? Can they put yeah. Ronnie Perkins in a four-man line? Will they trust more in Trey Brown, Robert Barnes? I mean, is that all we're really talking about is that personnel might be different? I, I don't want to crap on everything because I do think there are some improvements. Like we, We've got a roundtable that's coming out. We're going to start doing these more on the site on Soonerscoop.com. Uh, and one of the questions I asked you guys was, you know, what are your expectations for this defense the rest of the year? Um, you know, like you said, Ronnie Perkins playing more, Trey Brown playing more. Those are the obvious ones. Maybe some things, you know, maybe Delarian Turner-Yell could get involved at safety. He was suited up for the first time. Uh, he was the guy they were high on in the spring. Jalen Redman coming back is a possibility. We could talk some more about that. Right. Um, but he's been cleared medically. I still think he's a ways away. I don't think we'll see him... Uh, in the next couple of games. It's yeah. hard to think he's in football shape. Yeah. He might be in phys- in physical shape, but it's hard to believe he'd be in football shape. You know what's going to piss off a lot of people? Is kind of my answer is they don't need to be just tremendously better. If you get two or three more stops against Texas, you probably win the game. Yeah. And, and, and how much different this week goes if they win the game. Mike Stoops still has a job. Uh, you know, people are up in arms about the defense, but they're also 6-0. and yeah, and they've lost two games in three years or whatever it is. Regular season. Lincoln Riley is so, seventeen and three, uh, and in those three losses, OU's given a, or scored forty one points. Yeah, well, that's why I mean, Mike Stoops doesn't have a job. That is fucked up. Sorry. So, someone asked me. Imagine if Sorry, Oklahoma Mom. had like a minute on, on the clock there on that on that last drive. Kyler goes down and scores. They win fifty one forty eight. Right. Right. Does Mike still have a job today? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, he does. You does. can't fire somebody. You're not going to fire somebody after winning a win. A, yeah, especially that, Texas. That's just that's crazy. Like that's 
just how narrow the difference is. Oh, absolutely. Or, I, or if Kyler doesn't fumble that ball and they go down and score that time and you know, and that three touchdown lead actually gives Oklahoma the lead instead of just tying the game. Yeah. Or if the refs don't start the clock after the holding penalty by Texas and they have Someone an extra thirty tried to seconds. Tell me that's that's like a rule now, Kerry, that it's that changed in 07 or 08. And I'm like, I've been missing this for a decade. That doesn't sound right at all. Um, it's kind of like why, why something about it. That, it's not just totally out of left field, but like, I wonder if it's something they kind of thought about and they didn't implement it or something. Cause guys run out of bounds and the clock just restarting. is not something I've just missed in 10 years of the, of the, uh, I think that they, it does. Cause I've, I've noticed that before. That if you run a play, it starts. I think it's only inside the last two minutes of the second and fourth quarter. Like I can Stop. see if the de- the penalty is on the defense, but not on the offense. You just you just have a holding penalty time and time again. Say you need to run out the clock. It's first and ten, and there's three minutes left. Well, I think the clock does stop though, late in games. Like you wouldn't be able to do that late in the game. There were four minutes left in that game. I mean, then maybe it's five minutes. I don't know. I, I can look it up. Try and find. I think it, I it was read, just. I, I think it was like five eleven or something like that. Okay. It, it was when they ran like, that first play. I think it was at yeah, because I think the the play where I felt like it should have stopped was at four thirty four, and then it and it did stop while they reset the ball, and then they went again, and I was like, I I don't know what's happened here because I mean, oh, you lost thirty seconds on that deal, and I I guess it sounds like I've just been oblivious to this, but I know I've watched games where that hasn't been happening, and someone kind of mentioned that some that some of the the clock management guys in the stadium don't observe it or, you know, don't do a good enough job with it. And you're like, then what are we talking about? Because it could depend on your outcome in a game could be completely dependent on the, the decisions of the guy running the clock. It's kind of like the, like, why can you run a field goal team on in the, in the final seconds, but the ref doesn't have to hold up play for substitution. Yeah. Like at the end of the first half of his army or Baylor. Yeah. Well, and that's just, like, if that is a rule, and it sounds like it is because Eddie's got it there too, what a stupid-ass rule. Like, why would you Why would you not just go with the NFL's model of first down doesn't stop the clock? I mean, I know why they did it, to, to, to speed up games. That's fine. I understand. But why would you not just go with that instead of out of bounds really brings you nothing? You, you gain nothing from going, you know, running that play out of bounds. That's just, that's crazy to me. But anyway, I don't want to, that's not really the topic at hand, so I don't want to. Thanks for derailing the show, Josh. I just think that Texas would have used the clock in a different way. They still would have kicked it in the final seconds. They just would have managed to drive differently. But I think the end result would have been the same. Because they were going out of bounds at the the start of that drive. Sure. So anyway. um, But look, back to the turmoil, back to what OU can do defensively to improve – I, I just, I mean, like like Ruffin said, they all came up. They're all responsible for this. Like, that's the thing. Mike Stoops got fired, but they all had a hand in putting together this shitty defense. Yeah. Kerry, you, you were around, I think, Ruffin offensive guys more, where me and Eddie were around Kent mm-hmm. Murray and Bledsoe. Eddie, what the heck did you think about we're all celebrating when someone makes a play now, or however that was phrased. It's like, yeah, I think that's just kind of a. I feel like that's just a talking point. I mean, it, it honestly it means nothing to me because 
I, that's not going to help them play. I don't. I, I didn't get like what is this like? Kind of like Ruffin talking about getting his pillars, like a kumbaya moment. Like we're all coming together. We're 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 all happy now. Um, so you, is you, a turnover chain coming next? Shit. They they'd have to make one first. Yeah, they'd have to force a turnover to use it. That, <laughs> Five that, and six. That, six that would games. impress me. Yeah, maybe they should get a turnover something. They have one. It's the turnover mallet that. Buki Are you serious? Out. That's yeah. a thing. Uh, well, I mean, he brought it out against Baylor. Why does he get to bring it out? He hadn't turned anybody over. Parnell Motley's about the only one that should be able to bring that out, my boy. I'm, I'm just joking. <laughs> there Man, we go. They're I'm just joking. They're awful. They, the, the, I, I don't know. I so they have a turnover think, sledgehammer. They, I mean, he ran out with it against Baylor. Yeah, but they only did he when they muffed the punt. Did they burn? Did I don't remember them. I think it, it out. I don't the Baylor was the first time that they had it. But, <laughs> it's stupid. Yeah, it's really dumb, especially for a defense that's ranked dead last in red zone defense. So, I mean, they I don't know. We're I mean, you could go down the the list of problems that they have. It, it's everything. They're soft, they can't tackle. Yeah. They like to talk and they don't back it up. Right. Uh their defensive line got pushed around by a mediocre offensive line. Uh the coaching's been piss poor. They're all small. They're all very small. Not very strong, obviously, if you're going to get dragged 10 yards on a third and 20. I already said they're soft. We'll we'll throw that in there again. Soft. Because they are very, very soft. Uh, You have have guys taking shots at coaches that got fired that have done nothing nothing through the first five games of his career. Yeah. Granted, he's probably playing out of position. That's another issue out there. Yeah. I mean, basically... You have a long list. There's a long list of shit. That <laughs> cauldron of shit. It, it is a cauldron of shit. I mean, I... The luckiest person in this whole week and this whole thing is Mike Stoops. He doesn't have to deal with it anymore. <laughs> to be honest, I mean... Yesterday, I'm sure he feels a great sense of relief. Yesterday, when he was talking to the coward, he, I thought he sounded more relieved than anything. Yeah. No, you're not saying Dusty, but Traver. Right. Okay. I mean, I can see why somebody wouldn't want to get emancipated from them. <laughs> He's a f***ing asshole. <laughs> hey, hey, Josh, you think... I'm not, and I'm not saying you. anything Thank that you, anybody Bob. hasn't said. <laughs> no, you're not saying anything that you haven't said. <laughs> I think You've covered all this ground I'm before. not going to speak for you, Carrie, but I think I speak for the staff on this. And, Josh, do you think Carrie Cooks will do anything different? Is that the number one guy that we're going to be watching? To me, that is. I mean, because guys, if if there's any guy that I feel like we don't really know what he is as a position coach, it's Kerry. And I and it, we may know that. That's the thing. Like, it, it's, I think we it's, do know. I, I don't. But I mean, because Kerry, we've talked about this. Like, there was always that. Oh well, you know, Mike's coaching linebackers. No, he wasn't. We know he wasn't. He was working the DBs. And all and so many of the things that we have had an issue with with Kerry Cooks existed before Kerry Cooks. I'm telling so you this Kerry right now. I'm things, telling you or, this right now. Mike Stoops wanted to play Trey Brown sooner, but Kerry Cooks chose not to. That's that's that, ridiculous. That's not, awful. Not that not that you're saying that. It's ridiculous that they wouldn't. Yeah. It just it's a feels, terrible decision on Kerry Cook's part. It feels like some of the things we've seen with the secondary goes hand in hand with Mike. The whole playing off, having a too deep safety in the middle of nowhere, because you're so afraid of making a mistake that you don't make a play. That feels like that's gone hand in hand with what we've seen the last three, four seasons. Well, yeah, we haven't even mentioned the constant this. in all of that has been Kerry Cooks, right? 
Well, it probably goes. I back think. To I think. Like I said. Before. Like I yeah, said. This before. is a. This is a staff, both offensively and defensively, that has been. And I think they've tr- even in special teams. I mean, you don't really see, you saw that against Florida Atlantic, but you haven't seen anything since. But everything screams reactionary. Yes. Nothing screams proactive. I think that's fair. I. I mean, and that's. I mean, we 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 talked about Bob all the time about that he he once he got good he became very safe on special teams. He was happy to just put someone back there that could receive the punt and and play punt safe when you were when you're receiving. He he didn't take any chances on special teams other than an onside kick here and there. And that's the deal with with a defense like this. You know, it's not a special unit. I mean, you know, it's not a group. It's going to be top 20, and you can count on them in the fourth quarter to come up with the stop when you need it. You know all those things. Why are you not going to be – and, Kerry, I mean, like, I know every time I say this, you kind of get, well, we can't do it all the time, and I know you can't. You can't blitz all the time. You can't be crazy aggressive. But if you're going to create turnovers, you're going to have to force the issue. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to do things that make you uncomfortable because to get that kind of reward, you're probably going to have to get some risk because your front four are not going to put – they're not going to force the quarterback to throw early. They're not going to put hands in his face all the time. You're going to have to do some things that you don't like to do. You know, for and his, if you get a few extra possessions, then it's worth it to me. For as much, I guess, quote unquote, praise that they received after that Iowa State game, the that defensive line group is just—they've been awful. No, they've been bad. I mean, it, I, it's been—if you want to really get down to the bottom of it, that's the most disappointing group of the whole year, I think, in my opinion. I mean, sure, the secondary's been bad, but. Not once has Neville Gallimore or Imani Bledsoe made a couple plays in consecutively in consecutive series where you think, okay, maybe they're maybe they're starting to break through, and that's why, you know, that's why I think that Kenneth Mann and Ronnie Perkins, it's easy to put them out there together. And I'm I'm gonna go back to your soft comment because I still think that group as a whole hasn't recovered from Army. I read my mind. Bob. Don't think they have. And I know you think that's, that's silly. But they got their asses kicked against Army. Exactly, exa- and they're still beat up from it. They're still physically beat up. This bye week is. I don't know. I just. I just can't think that's they turn, so ridiculous? I I know you do, and you I said it after after the Army games. Not just here at OU, but whoops, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm just saying, like, because the same guys played all the snaps, I don't think they've ever physically recovered from it. Then that's a strength and conditioning problem because if you can't, be. if you can't be. pick yourself up to play. 12 times a year. It's not like they're running these guys through the ringer every every week at practice either. I just feel because they don't I feel like that's such a excuse because they didn't, well, they didn't trust any of those other guys to come in. I think Kenneth Mann, Imani Bledsoe, Neville Gallimore are really banged up. You saw Mann didn't even play against Baylor. I think that group needed this week to see if they can get back to what they were those first two weeks. They might never. They might never be that physically fresh again and never have the impact that they had in the first couple weeks. But I think the TCU game would be a good example to see if they can ever get back to it. I'm just trying to see something here. So I'm looking. I wanted to look up pro football focus. I wanted to see how many snaps. Kenneth Mann played 68 of the 87. Um, Let's see. Gallimore... Gallimore played 49 of the 87, so that's not any staggering He looked beat up against Texas. He was the one that was kept coming off the field when it didn't look like he was hurt. He was just fatigued. Amani Bledsoe, a defensive lineman, played 76 of the 87 snaps against Army. 
Like you could, I, I could understand him being. And then the thing is, is like it didn't even get a break because they come right exactly. back to Baylor and go over a hundred plays. Exactly. And let's see. Well, you uh, you want to hear the fans' response to that? Get off the field on third down. You don't make. Yeah. You don't have to get. You don't have to play as many plays. You know, I'm not arguing that. No, I. Yeah, I'm just I telling know. you that. I know. The, it, it it still exists. Like, right. Just because they should have doesn't right. mean they did. So also, you know what, Calvin Thibodeau, maybe don't block people who wrote articles about questioning if your defensive line was any good in the spring. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but I just looked and I'm still blocked. He's still blocked. And I even apologized to him face to face. That's funny. Uh, he smiled against, and said, it's all good, but I'm still Against blocked. Baylor, Bledsoe had 66 snaps. Perkins had 65 against Baylor. That's better. That's crazy. I mean, they've just got to start trusting ro- the rotation more so that they all stay f- stay fresh, or it's to me be a disaster. That's the two areas where you can see improvement. I think it's pretty clear that the from what Mike has said, from the Brendan Radley Hiles tweet, there was a disconnect between the players and Mike. I mean, I think that's pretty clear. I mean, they, not maybe not everybody. You think but, it's just the young guys? That's kind of my feeling because I mean, obviously Caleb Kelly's beat up about it. Um, you know. Th- Going back, you know, Caleb was one of the kids I really got to know well, and I mean, that Mike was the reason he went to Oklahoma. There's, there's no question about that. Um, the other side is just personnel changes. Like I said, maybe you see more Trey Brown, maybe you see more Ronnie Perkins, maybe you see more whoever. You know, I mean, th- th- there's, and I don't. The again, problem, though, guys, is that the that the, stops. the options are limited here. I mean, they are. You can't expect miracles just because Mike Stoops is gone. Yeah, no, I don't. You're out of your are. mind if you are. People are. They're going to. If you could just take it out, just cut out the first part of the year, and Oklahoma's defense was, you know, statistically whatever it's going to be the rest of the year, I think top seventy-five is going to be about right. It's just not a great defense. Yeah. It's just yeah. not. I don't think they're cracking the top fifty. Oh, I don't know. From where they are right now, yeah. No, I mean, what are they like? Ninety-third, ninety-six, ninety-six. And especially considering what they have to face. I mean, they still got to go against Tech. Oh, it's what we talked about in the postgame. They, they still have the West better Virginia. offenses in, the, in not just the Big 12, but the country to yep, play yeah. with. West Virginia's big outside receivers. Oh, my God. They're going to have to win 70 to 68. It's going to be that game with Tavon Austin and Landry Jones years ago. Same deal. Hopefully, Broken Arrow At least your doesn't weekend have another guy free. that tries to commit late in the night <laughs> and ends up in prison. Uh, glory days. It's 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 a it's quite the predicament. But you know, offensively, it's like one of the other roundtable questions that we had that will be posted later this week is the fact that I mean they, I'm I'm surprised how. I guess just how much they've been able to pick up where they left off. And it kind of sounds like a broken record and they didn't play well in the first half, but they did put 21 points up in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And eight minutes. Yeah, it was, that was impressive. Uh, you know, I guess the emergence of Lee Morris has been impressive, but it, it's kind of strange. I mean, we're at the the midway point of this season and there are just so many question marks with the sidebar of, Oh, by the way, they fired their defense coordinator and somewhat still control their destiny as far as the league goes. I mean, they're not getting back in the college football playoff unless they have help, but, I mean, they, they have a lot to play for still. It's it's very awkward that you fire a – not awkward, I guess, but it's it's just strange that you fire somebody, it's and it's like, well, we have all this Oklahoma. still out here. Yeah. 
it does feel like this could be the week where you start putting Kennedy Brooks in more. Kind of get my God, please do it. Get get him ready. I mean, if to you be the guy, TCU of, of all the failures of the OU coaching staff this year, the running back is near the top of the list because it is so obvious. It's like they cannot admit that Trey Sermon is a difference maker at the end of ball games. Look at that Texas game. He was, yeah, he was In the again. fourth quarter. The reason they scored 21 points is because he was a big part of that. Like, just find another running back. I don't care if it's Marcellius Sutton. It should be Kennedy Brooks. But find someone else to start the games and allow him to be fresh later in games. That was a weapon. I mean, as much as having Rodney Anderson emerge last year, it's like we forget, and they have forgotten, what a weapon Trey Sermon is in the second half of football games. That's that's what made your offense special just as much as Baker did a year ago. Get back to that. Get back to that. My God, why do I have to coach this team all the time? It is just strange how they... And, I mean, I guess running back rotations, the least of the worries out there. But. It is, but, I mean... That's a huge part of your success a year ago, and it, you've, you've I don't, screwed that up this year. I don't think that it's a coincidence that the offense started rolling once they were once they got Kennedy Brooks in the game, and then all of a sudden you take him off the field, and Kennedy or and Trey Sermon rips off a twenty-five yarder. And you know what? Maybe Kennedy Brooks is stupid and he can't figure out plays. But you know what? Spend some extra time with him. Jay Bullware. Hate to think that it's that hard. I don't know. That's that's a very Uneducated, uneducated Joe Average comment, but <laughs> that's not a football guy comment. No. <laughs> okay, I think we need to clear up some things here uh, because I look. I know a lot of you people listening are on the message boards all the time, or you're on the site all the time, but I know some of you are just casual Sooner fans who should be subscribing to SoonerScoop.com. Uh, but we need to clear up fact from fi- fiction on the rumors. One being, let's start off. We did, we talked about Mike Stoops going after Jim Traver yesterday, uh, but the other one was that it you know when it came out Sunday morning, it was the big rumor on the boards was uh, James Gallagher is meeting right now with Lincoln Riley and Bob Stoops about uh, and he wants he's being pressured uh, and he wants Mike Stoops out of here. Well, that's really not how it played out. Uh, and and I'll just play the clip from Lincoln Riley talking about uh, making the th- decision and where it came from. Lincoln, could you get, kind of just address you know your dealings in a situation like this? Did did you have to meet with President Gallagher? Did you have to meet with Joe Castillo? Did you all meet together? I, I mean, or is this just something that you make on your own and you you, you kind of I don't tell those guys what you're going to do? Um, I don't know how specific I want to get into that. I mean, it was. My decision, my decision only. I mean, no, you know. You were pressured into making a decision. Oh, no. No, Oklahoma doesn't work like that. You know, other places do, and that's why they go up and down. But Oklahoma, the people that that make the decisions are the people that should make the decisions, and that's why this place has been so good for so long. So, absolutely not. Of course, course you have bosses. I have people that I answer to, and I make them aware of, of, you know, big changes or anything going on in the program that, that we need to. And we have a great open communication system with our president and, and that office with, with Joe, of course, and his group. But no, this is uh, that's this place wouldn't be like it is. You wouldn't see all them banners up over there if that's how this place was run. 
And let me just tell you this. Before Lincoln Riley said that, I had talked to Joe Castiglione. I think I'd that put it my, up on the board. That was my next question. Like, and he's he, not lying, right? He's not lying. Like, you can say, oh, he's, got, he's just protecting, you know, the people above him. Joe, if, if Joe, is Joe lying? Is Lincoln Riley? That's like the thing. It's like, I actually heard Dean Blevins this week on the radio uh, after Al told him that Mike Stoops, what was it? That he didn't have a resign, that he didn't turn in a resignation letter. Follow, that was like right, Blevins was reporting right after the right game. after the game that Mike Stoops turned in a resignation letter and Mike Stoops said comically yesterday like do people really think I just the game ended and I just went and got on a computer and wrote out a well, resignation letter he's been letter? carrying it around in his briefcase yeah like I just, <laughs> just waited for, to just give for it. this day he's just been changing the date I do the same he's like it's like uh, it's like in uh, Saving Private Ryan like when. Uh, he has to give the Caparzo has to give his letter, pull it out of his dying body. Give this to my mother. <laughs> like in case Mike Stoops got shot one day, he'd just pull that out of his breast pocket and be like, give this to Lincoln Riley. It's my resignation. With the venom that is in this fan base for Mike, I would imagine that it wouldn't have been a bad option for him to have that just carrying around. But I mean, it, but Dean Blevins literally told Al to his face after Al said, I talked to Mike Stoops. He did not offer a letter of resignation after that game. Dean said, well, sometimes it's not always the best thing to get it straight from the horse's mouth. I, I, I'll be honest. I don't know how Channel 9 still employs him. <laughs> Hashtag journalism. I mean, some of the shit that's been coming out of his mouth this week is just incredible. Woo, boy. It's incredible. It has been a tough week for some people in the media. And the funny thing is, is everybody's laughing at them, not not like with them as far as, well, that's a it's great report. It's been insane well, this week. You can just delete everything because that's all he does. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's I been a clear today, definition. I checked the Levi of, Draper tweet is still up. Well, he doesn't feel bad about that one, but when he hit. It's been a clear definition of who's relevant and who's not right now. And it, there's, a, there's a clear dividing line on who has kept up with the world and who hasn't. I'm going to channel my inner Eddie to the olds out there. Don't, don't delete your tweets. They've already been screenshot. Exactly. There's no point in doing it. You just end up Shit, looking that, like you're hiding. That something. doesn't have to be just for the olds. That's for the youngs as well. <laughs> Fair enough. Buki. Fair enough. Like there's no hiding. <laughs> just own it once it's out there. Uh, there was no way Buki was leaving that one up. It went up 30 Did minutes. Did that get a, that get a phone? Minutes. You think that got a phone call from? Oh, oh absolutely. Coach or... Absolutely. Well, he's a freshman. It might have been a knock on the door of the dorm. It um, might have been 30 minutes because that's how long it took Lincoln Riley to get to him. <laughs> I bet you get exactly. your ass over to my what office type thing. Yeah. Gosh, it has been. I mean, I'm, I'm almost glad they don't have a game because I might have to pick whoever they were playing with as much just distraction and off-field issues they've had this week. I may just lock everyone that plays OU this year. How pissed is Gary Patterson that he does not get OU this week? Uh, yeah, probably. Um, they, let's see what they do against Shit, Tech Shit, I don't tonight. know if they're going to win tonight. Right. <laughs> they have some mm. serious quarterback issues, but they're also playing a team that has a quarterback that is coming off of a collapsed lung. So, I mean, this conference, I swear to God. It's just been an incredible week. And Gary's, uh, what? Kansas fired their offensive coordinator. <laughs> yes, they did. Meacham. Like, Meacham. What did Doug Meacham do? <laughs> what did Meacham do? <laughs> like, he, he, he had, he had, he had half walk. a year. Like, he must have been banging a secretary or something. Seriously. Like, 
Meacham had to walk in and beat his office and been like, we've won two games. They what? scored, what, 60 points against Rutgers? We beat yeah. a Power 5 team. My God. Yeah, what did Doug Meacham do? I that's I said it this morning, and I feel so bad, but every time Doug Meacham, and I think he's a pretty good coach, but anytime his name comes up, I'm immediately going to think about the stairwell photo that was taken. Yeah, I did too. Like, I did too. It's, he's, he's now like branded with the scarlet letter or whatever of, like Doug Meacham's like, oh, the lonely guy in a stairwell that coached at Kansas. He does look like he has some strange in him. Yeah, maybe. That white man fro that he's got going. Maybe he wouldn't but, maybe he wouldn't keep uh all of Bill Self's dirty recruiting secrets. That's uh, going secret. around the coaching uh hires and fires here lately. Well don't you Why know Roy really Williams has people? never run into anything like that before? Yeah, that's that's a great line. <laughs> it's like O.J. Oh Simpson God. saying with a straight face that he never killed anybody. <laughs> yeah, Roy Williams, dude, you are you just went up to the top of the shady list. I was say, yeah, that when you say that, that, how dirty he is. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like he's just so used to lying. Like that's when you know you're just pathological, maybe homicidal. He might be. Yeah, like that. That you might be right, Carrie. Like you've denied yourself the truth. Like he doesn't even know that he doesn't know the truth. And just to, I guess, put a bow on the uh, the basketball recruiting thing. I think it's so awesome that the bag man for Adidas, his name was T.J. Gasnola. Yeah, that sounds like a guy <laughs> straight from the Sopranos. Yeah, so awesome. Sounds like he'd be a buddy of Christopher. Well, the whole, I mean, the whole shoe, <laughs> the whole shoe thing, got started basically by a a, a good fella. Did it? What's his name? Uh, from Vegas? Uh, Sonny, uh, Sonny oh, uh, uh, Vaccaro? Vaccaro? Yeah, Sonny Vaccaro. That's awesome. Kansas is not having a good day in court, by the way. Oh, really? According to uh, Dan Wetzel's Twitter. I uh, like how Silvio... Joel Embiid just immediately switched to Under Armour, by the way. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> it just was too obvious that every kid that was anybody at Kansas was with Adidas. Gasanola's just throwing gasoline on the fire. Oh, so Gasanola is on the stand. Silvio uh, Gasanola testified that guardian of Silvio de Sosa was paid sixty k by the University of Maryland and needed to pay it back to go to Kansas. <laughs> wow, oh, well. that's wow. college basketball in a nutshell. Because he didn't get anything from Kansas, I'm sure to go. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, there are there is not a game this week. Uh, it's a bye week. Next week, they're going to be at TCU. Which you know what? There's probably going to be pretty good deal on tickets another 11 o'clock game uh because nobody goes to games at tc and if they lose tonight there really won't be you anybody can bet going. it's going to be really easy and you probably don't want to go and drive all the way to fort worth and deal with the hassle of getting a tickets that's why you need to download the seat geek app uh right now seat geek s-e-a-t-g-e-e-k.com but go download their app in the App Store, Google Play Store, uh, because it's complicated. And it can be complicated, especially when you want to go watch a game at 11 a.m. You want to just get there. You want to sleep in a little bit, park, all that stuff. So SeatGeek, they've got uh, hundreds of sites, or, or they accumulate hundreds of sites. Very, And you know these sites. They're all uh, some more reliable than others. But if you go to SeatGeek... You know you can trust them. They pull millions of tickets into one place. You can find the seats that you want at the price you're willing to pay. It shows you where in the stadium your seats are. It shows you what the good deals are, what the bad deals are. 
but I've got it on my phone. If you're a big concert guy like me, uh, it it will ch- you can link it up to your Facebook or your Spotify, your Apple, and it'll show you when when bands are coming near you, uh, so you can get tickets. And if you enter the code Scoop, you get twenty dollars off your first SeatGeek purchase. So uh, go download the app. Uh, great for football, great for basketball, great for NBA. If you want to go to some Thunder games. Great for concerts. So, SeatGeek.com, download the app, enter the promo code SCOOP, and you get 20 bucks off. Can't beat that. So, the main rumor being the president, we heard from that. Uh, the other one being that Mike Stoops got into a fight at halftime. And not just a fight. It yep. sound, the way people made it seem, it was like a like a goddamn MMA Knockdown, drag out. Fight. <laughs> Fist fight. By the way, if anyone ever, if a coach and a player would ever square up against each other in a locker room, I guarantee you the entire team would separate them before it could happen. Yeah, unless there's like a cheap shot or something. Yeah, you unless you're might just get one like shot. a horrible team. One shot in. Yeah. And let me make this statement before we get through it or into all this. I would almost be disappointed if the way that they played that there wasn't a fight at halftime. Like walking into the locker room, if there I would be pissed off if there wasn't arguing and yelling and people going berserk. Well, here's uh Lincoln Riley talking about all that stuff on Monday. You talk about emotional outbursts. There's a report about Curtis Bolton perhaps leaving the stadium. Did that happen, and or was that blown out of proportion? Can you address that? Yeah, blown out of proportion a little bit. It was, uh, I think, after half, just just emotional and had to. Sometimes guys get emotional and have to just remove themselves from the situation a little bit. I mean, that's a heated game. It's a heated locker room. You know, Curtis has been a warrior for us all year. Um, he's one of our emotional leaders, no question. Wears his heart on his sleeve, like like some of our guys do, and and so. But no, I. Um, I think probably something that was blown out of proportion a little bit. And Lincoln even talked about it a little bit, but and I'd heard this even before, the coach who was kind of slightly out of control at halftime was Lincoln Riley. He came in there just hellfire and brimstone. He got after him, from what I was told. Well, they deserved every bit of it. And it didn't work. It was 45-24 at the end of the third. <laughs> But you know what? Uh, thank you for that rumor because it led to the greatest day in radio history yesterday. Mike Stoops went after Jim Traber on air. Greatest day slash most embarrassing day. <laughs> Again, do, do, embarrassing. do we want to explain how you could leave the Cotton Bowl within like two, three seconds? Yeah, but I mean, you can tell people. I mean, the ramp, the locker rooms. I mean, <laughs> it's a it's about a 10 foot separator from the OU locker room to the back end of the Cotton Bowl, which... And there's no door to get out. No, No, there's no door, and it's still... It's kind of like a barn door, almost. And it's still roped off, if that makes sense. If anybody's been on that backside where the teams arrive, they know that the gate kind of goes around the backside. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, I mean, if you exit the locker room, there's only one place to go. You're not going to stand in the tunnel. You're going to go out the back door, or out the backside. Yeah. There's not even a door. Uh, so I mean, but and, leaving and the happened. stadium is is really nobody, taking a few steps. Nobody <laughs> is saying that that didn't happen because right. there was enough people out there that saw him walk out of there. And I'd heard it was uh, Jordan Parker and Lincoln Riley that went and dragged him back into the locker room. Cali connection. Yeah. So I just I don't know it. That whole thing. 
what took I, on a life What of its I do own. remember is in those final minutes before the start of the second half, it was Tim Kish with his arm around Curtis talking to him on mm-hmm. the, on sideline instead of Curtis like going through any, like any warm-ups. It was just Kish talking to him. And that gave And him, he started and yeah. he led the team in tackles. Gave more evidence that something did happen. They had to calm him down yeah. and get well, him I, in the right frame of mind. Kerry, you talked to him it was the week before, but I mean the guy's going through a I don't know if his shoulder's messed a serious up. injury. Yeah. But right. I mean he he's got a, a banged up problem. shoulder. That's he why wasn't he was playing the well. Field. They replaced him with Caleb Kelly, and it pissed him off. Caleb Kelly didn't play well. so Caleb Kelly was awful. Caleb Kelly, when I looked at his PFF grade, I think I sent it to the group. It's bad. That was one of the worst grades that I've ever seen. For someone with a lot of snaps. Yes. Yeah, you're not just like that 5 to 10 deal. It was like 38 point something, like 38.2 or like 36. When you see red, it's bad. It was red. There's only been two reds, and he was one of them. Remind me of uh, Jordan Thomas from last year. He he had a lot of those 30, 30 point yeah. performances. Yeah, it, it was it was not good. Well, here's the thing, you know, all that stuff happens. It's a big circus, as we talked about. Was he as bad as we're saying, Josh? Yeah, he he was <laughs> really bad, and I and I I'm one of those guys that's always been a big Caleb Kelly guy, but. He had one – there was one in particular that sticks out to me. Keontae Ingram goes for about 10 or 11 yards off the right side. I want to say it was in the second quarter. And it's just Caleb just got caught looking inside. And there's an alley that any one of us could have picked up five yards in. I mean, like, it's it's humongous. And there's just no question. That had to have been Caleb's hole. And he gets sealed inside. And, you know, I think it was – hot and eventually just shoved him out of bounds like i mean he he was running into acres of space and that's how i felt about justin Broyles. just a rough oh rough God. night against oh. little jordan now i'll give him a little credit and that little jordan humphrey's really good yes like, th- th- there there's something to be said for that and that's a tough matchup it really I think is he got added to the the Belitnikov list he did game. He, he did, did actually yesterday. yeah that's you know but that's kind of become a trend for Oklahoma, like whoever they just played has got a good shot at Big 12 Player of the Week. I'm pretty sure Hakeem Butler got added to the Blitnikoff the week after he played OU. You guarantee it. I bet you he's back off of there by now. <laughs> it just it added to the long list of of problems. It is. I mean, it's like just listening to Mike yesterday, and he was talking to Dusty. I mean, we all know what the problems are. He listed them all out. I mean... They suck at defending physical receivers. And what like can, they are, what maybe can they do about that? Th- nothing. This year? Nothing. And every team is going to continue to attack them now. Like for TCU, they're kind of fortunate because they got Jalen Rager as their best player. Uh, they don't really have a lot of. They don't have like a dachshund there right now. Uh, all they they have a bunch of small. What's uh, what's twenty five Turpin Turpin? I mean, he's, he's amazing. Banged, he's banged up a lot. Yeah, though. he is. But. I mean, they're fortunate a little bit. And, you know, Sean Robinson is not the greatest thrower of the football either. That usually has not mattered, though. But, I mean, tackling, not being able to handle physical receivers, and being bad at the line of scrimmage. I mean, I don't know how you fix those things. I mean, tackling is the one thing that you could fix. Because, to me, that's effort. But... It's it's interesting that Mike Stoops leaves and he can openly talk about the problems, but he talked about them while he was there. He I mean, 
He was never. It's just when he talks about him and he's the defensive coordinator, you're like, well, fix him. Yeah. But I just don't know how much is fixable. I mean, Neville Gallimore has been disappointed. There's two things that you can fix automatically. Kenneth Mann is undersized. Two things. Monty Bledsoe's not very good. You can give effort and you can tackle. Those are things, those are controllables. Yeah. And, you know, whether they've been there or not, I don't know if they have. And you can blame that on Mike, but, you know, the argument it is, well, it's his job to motivate him. These guys are playing Division One football at a Blue Blood program. There shouldn't be much motivating that needs to be done. Am I wrong about that? Like, or are they just so soft that they have to be... I would say be... at this level, motivating is a bigger key than, like, the NFL. Right. Okay, well, I mean, I but just... But it is. I mean, it's set, like... That's I don't sad. understand if you're a kid and you watch all of your film, you 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 see the breakdowns, you watch other teams play. Like if you're a kid, you probably sit down and watch NFL on Sunday. Like this of all the years, I mean, Josh, they think that they're going to just click their toes or heels together and all of a sudden they're going to be in the NFL? No, listen, you're jumping ahead. Josh, this year more than any other, when I watch OU on Saturday and I watch the NFL on Sunday, it is jarringly different in how physical a, a defender is in the NFL versus what they are at OU. Oh, there's no question. I mean, and I talked about it in, in the post game. Watching even the 07 Oklahoma team and watching this team, it's like two different sports. I mean, it wasn't even, and that team wasn't like a great defense, but they tackle, they play run. You know, I mean, there's just, there's no element of Oklahoma where you're like, well, that guy, you know, I mean, you guys talking about effort? The one guy that I feel, or the two guys that I feel like they're giving you what they've got, they're Kenneth Murray and Curtis Bolton. I think those guys are giving you every ounce of what they have. And it really is like watching a team that you know that has always played seven on seven and never actually played tackle football. Is it concerning then that it feels like Murray and Bolton get dragged a lot on tackles? Dominic Alexander got dragged a lot more on tackles. Well, he did, but I mean, we talked with Kenneth Murray, and he mentioned they're always looking for the kill shot. And I think the board laughed at that because that's <laughs> what they're waiting for. They're waiting yeah. for any kill shots by any of those guys. I think everybody, it's hard. I mean, in the way teams play in space, especially in the Big 12, those big kill shots, they're just hard to come by. You're chasing guys all the time. They're, they're not trying to run right at you. They're trying to run to space and create angles and do all these things that make your life difficult. I I mean, like, you know where he had some decent hits? It was early in that Florida Atlantic game. And the Florida Atlantic was like, nope, we're not running up the middle anymore. We're not getting anything out of that. And they just start running wide. And you're not going to kill somebody when they're running away from you. It, it's just, it doesn't work like that. And so I, I think people get hung up on that. And, you know, they got dragged. Get them down. I don't care how yeah, you do exactly. it. Just get them to the ground. Yeah. And that's Tackle the, the problem. No, I think I start with that. Yeah, I would say about how it gets handled with the tackling issues that they have. They're probably less aggressive and more just like get this guy to the ground. Yep. But I mean, just the football is a violent game. You don't really get a sense that it is when you watch OU play defense. Like when you like, I've been watching a lot of the Browns because of Baker. You want to talk about people that hit. Like, that defense, those are a bunch of bastards. The George, Greg Williams bastard. Yeah. yeah he's not going to have soft players on his team. No. The, 
There are four guys. Greg Williams would get it. run out of here so fast. Oh. Like, you want to talk about Mike Stoops being a jerk and losing players? <laughs> My God, they would not survive. You'd have a revolt. The defense would walk out. <laughs> Greg Williams would take Buki's phone and just break it in half in front of him. <laughs> like, can't tweet now, can you, mother? <laughs> I'll allow it. When when you watch OU, I was thinking about this as we're having this conversation. There are four guys out of roughly fifteen or sixteen that no, make it five when I when I include the extras, the the backups. Out of fifteen or sixteen that are heavily in the rotation, that I would say, yeah, he's going to make a tackle. He gets his hands on the guy; he's probably going to bring him down. And it's Murray Bolton. I'd say Ronnie Perkins because I haven't seen him miss anything. I'd say Mark Jackson. And I'd say Trey Brown. Now, they've all missed tackles. Don't get me wrong. But if I'm placing odds when they snap the ball, that if those guys get their hands on the guy, they're going to come to the ground, those are the guys. Everybody else, it's a coin flip at best. Yeah. And that's – how is that possible at a place like Oklahoma with their ability – because you can tell me talent and all that sort of stuff. Oklahoma is better talent than 97% of the teams they play. You know what else has been missing for a really long time? on this defense and it's it's probably been since Tony Jefferson but Josh you know this I mean you know you know what a tone a guy like Roy Williams set Mm. you know what a tone a guy like Brandon Everidge set there has not been any type of enforcer in the secondary in a very very long time and those guys as much as middle linebackers really set the tone for what your defense is well, I mean, anytime that Oklahoma's had and a really good for defense, what your secondary it's is, it's been physical. translated to a really good safety, hasn't it? Yeah. Can Robert Barnes be that guy? He's got the size. By the way, you know what else I hate? I just thought, put your damn shirts on during warm-ups. <laughs> you look really dumb talking a bunch of shit, and then you give up 48. But I mean, the whole thing where we're coming out fully dressed out, but we're not putting our shirts on, that's got... I mean, like... I think, like, Lincoln should have a list of things that you don't get to do. Like, you don't get to bring out a sledgehammer when you haven't had a turnover all season. You don't get to come out in warm-ups looking all cool with your shirts off. Wear a damn shirt. You don't get to fight with other teams when you're giving up 48 points. Head down, go to work, make plays. Take away gotta, Twitter. Got to be lunch pail. Got to be lunch pail, guys. Like, Bob used to cancel, like, bye weeks if they played crappy before them. Imagine all the crying that's going to happen if they don't get to go home this weekend. That's pretty funny. I didn't even think about stuff like that. You're right. They're soft. Very. Very. But, you know... I'm so old man the, right now. <laughs> well, see, and that that's people love all of Lincoln's recruiting. You got to take the good with the bad here. You want to recruit these elite guys? There's certain allowances that live in that world. Are there though? The, because I look at Alabama and Nick Saban doesn't do those guys that. are those guys are hard asses. Nick Saban's got a lot of scalps on the wall. That's true. That's true. And I mean, he can tell you if you'll do what I'm telling you to do. You're going to go to the NFL. You're going to be a first rounder. Plus, the guy behind him may be better than he is. Like Oklahoma doesn't have yeah. There's no competition. To create. You know what? If you want to, you want to screw around and do that shit. Okay, we'll put this guy in. Like, and he's going to be fine. We won't miss a beat. We're not going to miss. 
You know, it's like the old thing Kale Gundy told Adrian Peterson, you know, we'll win with you or without you. Oh, you can't say that. They can't. They can barely win with them. <laughs> and it's, it's it's just that's where that is. So, I mean, that's. Man, you see that attitude on offense. You make one yes. one mistake. Boom, you're out. You can make 20 mistakes on defense and still play. Guess I what? I was to say, where, where would Kennedy Brooks be in the world on defense? <laughs> He'd be your. He'd be their poster boy. He made one mistake last week. Holy shit! That's a great game, Kennedy. Yeah, that's fewer mistakes than most of the coaching staff made. <laughs> By the way, I will Twitter with or without you, Kale Gundy. You can block me all you want. Hadn't affected me. Kale hasn't tweeted in a long time. I, I wouldn't know such things. Can't, don't don't ever repost a picture of him and Gary England together. He'll block you. That is that's got to be one of the all time weird blocks. Not butthurt or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't keep bringing it up every month. Uh, by the way, somebody, we somebody don't, somewhere is drinking. There's not okay. You brought up drinking. Uh, it's, oh, hey. it's time to tell you about Coop Works. Uh, we don't have a player to watch because there's no game this weekend. Uh, unless we want to put like a quit list out there, like a Deadpool, like who's next to quit. Um, no, but Coop Works, a great sponsor of like this podcast and the post game podcast. Uh, I know, you know, you folks in Dallas that listen, you can get Coop there, uh, even though it's uh, an Oklahoma City brewery. I think all specs have uh, Coop, uh, so you can go pick it up there. But they've been around for nine years, uh, craft brewery in Oklahoma City. They've got seven year-round beers and four seasonals. Uh, if you can find some Oktoberfest, it's kind of difficult, but if you can find some, go pick that up. they got the 12-packs out there, the F5 IPA and the Horny Toad Blonde. Uh, those are, like I said before, like, if you've been a, a domestic guy, you like uh, Bud Light or Coors Light, Miller Light, go start with the Horny Toad Blonde. It is a, for a beer drinker, it's a life changer. I'm telling you right now, it's fantastic. Then you can graduate to some other things, um, like the Spare Rib. Uh, you can go, the Native Amber is fantastic. And then the DNR is a treat. Just like, it's like, Beer candy for me. I love it. Uh, so, yeah, go go get you some Coupe Ale Works at uh, your liquor store. Now you can get it cold, so that's a good deal. Anyway, I think the biggest thing, and, and I asked Lincoln about this, but Josh and Bob, I think we should talk about kind of how you guys think this affects recruiting, the turmoil, the shakeup. Because I know you've contacted a lot of kids and gotten a lot of feedback so far. Josh, we can well, start with you. Yeah, you start with the commits, and, we, and between Bob and I, we talked to just about all of them. I think maybe one uh, who I'm going to blank on, but uh, we're, well, I mean, we're, between, we're missing Corey, but we have the statement from his mother. So yeah. I don't know if that goes hand in hand. Corey, I, I really barring you know the only thing that could change things for him probably is Calvin Thibodeau. If that were to change, then maybe, but you know that's we we can't even speculate on that because we just don't know. But everybody else, I mean, almost immediately was, you know, I'm solid, I'm good, everything's, and I thought it was impressive because a lot of those kids were saying that even before they'd had a chance to talk with OU. Because, you know, Lincoln Riley mentioned it when he spoke to you guys on Monday, 
that he hadn't, you know, when that news came out, they really hadn't had a chance to talk with the players. Well, the same was true with the recruits. They hadn't talked to any of those guys yet. I mentioned it during the postgame pod. There was just a lot of, you know, Joseph Wete didn't even realize it was real. He goes, I'm kind of waiting until I know. And I'm like, dude, it, it's it's happened. Like, this is this is happening. And so he was like, oh, you know, and, and he was. He was like, I'm, I'm committed, you know, like I'm solid. So those guys sound great. I think when you look at recruiting guys, you know, obviously Oklahoma has huge needs at the safety position. I talked about Jordan Battle. How do you recruit Jordan Battle right now? Oh, we're going to run a great defense for you. Well, what's it going to look like? I don't know. You know, I mean, it's, it's really tough to do this without a defensive coordinator. And so to me, and that's part of the reason why I was kind of, anti you know mid-season change because you can still continue to recruit him you can still continue to tell him you know all these things for me how serious can a recruit take you when you can't give him some serious answers about things I mean and it's not Lincoln's fault or anybody else's fault you just can't answer those questions because you don't know which direction you're going to go yeah I think it meant a lot that Jaden Davis was one of the first people to come out and say something because that's who we talked about before St. Thomas Aquinas, that's what Mike Stoops has done a great job in the last couple years building a realistic pipeline. Nick Benito, Jaden, you're looking at Jordan Battle, you're looking at Doomerville and other guys for 2020 and beyond. Will they miss a step there? I'm not sure, but at least it's good to know that Jaden is still in the fold. And I think that goes back to what we said before that it's no longer where you just talk to the position coach and that's it. And with Lincoln Riley being so front and center with all of these kids, I still think he can manage to turn around maybe a big-time safety prospect, even though you don't have a clear blueprint of what you want to show him moving forward. I think, you know, Lincoln getting more involved in defensive recruiting because his offense has been put away, Probably don't you think that probably helps with this class? Uh, whereas, like you said, I mean, 2020 – Offers are going out. I mean, you're you're starting to really build those relationships right now. Um, and you didn't really it, hear any negative thing from 2020 kids. We talked to qu- quite a few there too. It still seems like everything will be okay. Obviously, there'll be wait and see mode to see how the defense plays the next six games. But but I, honestly, like, I I don't think they lose anybody because of this. Look, I I think how it works out is Lincoln goes out and hires a new defensive coordinator. I don't think there's any chance that Ruffin or Diaco, so I'm not trying to ruin any hop boards, Josh. I'm just saying, <laughs> I don't think that there's a chance because Josh is making a hop board right now. Uh, I don't think there's any chance either of those guys stay out. Now, if a miracle happens and this defense all of a sudden, you know, becomes badass, then I'm going to be like, leave everybody like they are, like just leave it as it is. I, I would almost bet this house that that's not going to happen. Um, I said almost. Eddie's probably willing to take that bet. Um, no, I'd, I'd probably be, agree with you. I'm just thinking. I'm but, the numbers through my head real quick. Uh, I would. Would you guys say that Calvin Thibodeau is probably the only coach that would be likely to be retained? I think it's going to be interesting with Diaco just for the fact. I mean, because it's such a weird role. He was an analyst, and then mm-hmm. I, he, I don't think it's fair, I guess, to judge him based on what the outside linebackers do the rest of the season. Unless they play well, and I guess then you can make the argument that he really made a change. I just don't know how much he has to work with there. Yeah. The the thing that I think is kind of interesting is just as far as the recruiting side of who takes over Tulsa. And, I mean, 
you still have to recruit kids in, in 2020. And Mike had such a, every time I was up in Tulsa during the he spring there, with huh? you, Josh, he was up there. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's always been one of his home bases. And like I said, in the post game, people don't acknowledge that Mike, Mike in his first stint was not a great recruiter. His second time around, I don't know what changed in Arizona. I don't know how things differed, but I thought he did a much better job developing relationships, really making sure you know he was present and around places. Like you said, Eddie, I mean, we saw him, Booker T, Broken Arrow. I mean, you run down the list, he was everywhere. And I, it's the state of Oklahoma, so you can fix that. I mean, that's right. not a... That's not one that you, like some big hurdle. You would expect OU guys to do well in Oklahoma, but I do think, like I said, that there is there are going to be some some things that are going to have to be fixed and addressed because somebody's going to have to pick up that slack. You know, when when you need guys to go out this spring, I mean, there's going to have to be handshakes. There's going to be new coaches being met. You know, because there just isn't going to be that relationship. So you wonder if maybe Oklahoma. Goes with a guy like Kale Gundy, who knows the state so well and has been around it and knows these guys, you know, and there's a lot of easy familiarity there. I I don't know that that's what you do, but like I said, I mean, it'll things will have to be sped up and picked up, and you're going to have to try to pick up where Mike was because I think more than ever, Oklahoma really had a lot of confidence from in-state coaches that their guys were going to get a fair look from OU. And I think in years past, it's really in the 2000s, I would hear that a lot. You know, this guy should have gotten a chance to Oklahoma. He never did. And there was some bitterness. And I think at times, oh, you missed on another guy that they did like because of some of that stuff. I sort of wonder if this opens the door more for Chip Viney to do something. Uh, he's still not in that, yeah. that full-time assistant role, but I feel like 2019 should be sort of his breakout. I think the the other question would be, and this would be for both of you guys, uh, Josh and Bob, is just, and it, I guess it has to be asked. I'm sure it's been asked on the board already, but with Mike out, does that do anything with the Dax Hill sweepstakes? Not to me. Yeah, I, you know, I, 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 think, I didn't I, think that it would. Yeah, I, I think Dax wanted to go out of state. I think he is a really sharp kid, and he likes the education side of things at Michigan. Um, I. I I, like I said, I think he liked Oklahoma. I, I honestly believe that. I think of the two in-state schools, Oklahoma was more likely to be his choice. He would but come I down don't, for camps. I think with stuff, the relationships man. he had, he couldn't do that to OSU. He couldn't do it to his brother. He couldn't. I, I think it was just, it, it just was something they were like, that's not going to work yeah. for us. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure they circle back to any 2019 fringe guy now that Mike's gone. I know people ask about like Trace Ford and people that are like Colin Clay. I don't see that changing just because Mike is out. Because it's numbers. It's not just about, oh, Mike didn't like those guys. That's not really – I mean, they didn't have room for another Colin Clay because they went and got Corey Roberson. They got Marcus Hicks. I mean, I realize you'd love to have Colin Clay, and I, I know there are people around that program that really think he could help, but you just have to make choices. I mean, do you take another defensive end, or do you go get a safety? There's no question. You've got to go get the safety. Right. So. You know, I think sometimes people just see it as, well, he's talented, got to take him, and ignore that there, there's scholarship limitations. You're not just living in a vacuum. Does anybody think that Reffin McNeil might not be the play caller and they're just telling us that? All right. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm with it. Yep. But it doesn't make sense just as far as, I mean, I mean, I have a conspiracy on that as far as I feel like they 
you know, Lincoln Riley, what do we know about him? Everything that he's done is he's pretty calculated in every decision that he makes. Mm-hmm. Just as far as are they putting Ruffin out in front of all this? Let him answer all the big questions. Bob Diaco's pulling the strings behind the behind the curtains. But is are they doing that with Ruffin because Lincoln doesn't want to make it look like he hired Bob Diaco in a analyst role, knowing that there was an there was a chance he was going to have to fire Mike Stoops, which I'd probably listen to the arguments of that. I think it might be valid. I I, I have a I, conspiracy I theory. I don't think that he went into the season thinking I'm going to fire Mike after the Texas game. My conspiracy theory is a little more footballish, which is Bob Diaco has a history. As a defensive coordinator. Yeah. And if other teams knew he was going to be the play caller, they could kind of go back and find some of his tendencies. Right. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Versus Ruffin, which has a very short tenure as a defensive coordinator. He doesn't have as many. So There's like two games and they predated YouTube. (laughs) I mean, it was 2007 (laughs) and 2008. (laughs) I mean, they. The, I'm sure Donald Trump was probably introduced in the lineup in one of his games. No, Mike Leach was still there when that happened. Because he did it because he was friends, I'm yeah. air quoting with Mike Leach. Well, I, I mean, I could definitely see that. But I think, I, think the, I think the not wanting to look bad for Mike and Bob is valid. Yeah. I, I do think that Bob Diaco, you're going to see what you see the next six games is going to have a lot of his fingerprints on it. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's interesting, too, that, you know, I had that video of him like talking to Mark Jackson he, and he carried around a clipboard and stuff. Mm-hmm, I saw it. Yeah. What is the difference between an analyst? Can he not coach during practice, but then can he coach during a game? I don't I don't understand. It's, it uh, seemed like he did coach a lot during he games. Was 100, unless he was taking orders for postgame meals. <laughs> He was definitely relaying information to players. He's just probably just showing them who else Kel Gundy was blocking that week on Twitter. We're going to, this guy over here, see him? I just don't understand what the cutoff is on that. Yeah, I oh, I agree with you. I always thought that that was interesting. Because they have that headset rule now where only so many people can have headsets on. Kenneth Murray was quick to say he knew nothing about him. He would say, hey, how's it going? How's your day going? And now it's different. God, do you think that they really prepped him to say I don't know, but... Make it like you <laughs> like never he, met this he guy He never before. coached you before. Don't worry. Jeez. I could see them going through the trouble of doing that, though. So, But there was nothing else that you guys really gleaned from talking to the defensive guys? No, I mean, yesterday. it just... It just seemed weird that, I don't know, that, talking to Imani Bledsoe, and I don't know if you were over there, Bob, but it just to say that you came out flat right, and then not really have an answer for he it. He said they came I, out flat I against him, Texas. I, I pretty much asked him, you know, how the hell does that happen against Texas? He just couldn't put his finger on it. And I just Should've looked just at said, him why like, are you lying to us? <laughs> That's the softest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. like I Do you not realize how bad that makes you look when you yeah, say that? Yeah, I, I, why say it? And the other thing is, I think that's caught fire around here is the fact that you know Kenneth Murray's catching a lot of heat for saying that he feels like they're close to being to playing good defense. What else do you expect him to say? Yeah, is he going to just sit there and say, "No, we have no chance. Oh, we're screwed. Teammates around me suck." 
I I don't know. I just I think I think people make too much out of what these guys say and shit. I'm probably part half the problem. So well, and it's not like these kids just get to say whatever they want to say. Like Kenneth Murray may feel the same way as everybody else. Well, they can, but, but she, then they know that they'll never get to be interviewed. Exactly. Again. That's what I mean. Like it's not like there's not going to be repercussions for them saying whatever they want to. You say that, and crap, him being a team captain, he probably feels pressure to say corporate speak basically yep. but it almost seemed like it took Coach away speak. his voice on uh, tuesday that wasn't i don't know if eddie if you felt the same way there wasn't like that fire and that passion at least to me with kenneth yeah it's almost like i don't even i don't say mourning mike stoops but he didn't seem to be that same dude that we've had every tuesday yeah maybe it wasn't in, as intense it was yeah. a bye week though and he just came in and he said something they've lost we started to texas like, too I oh mean, my favorite people <laughs> Whatever. He did say that. But it wasn't genuine. No, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> Which, I mean, it doesn't bother me or anything. It just it was weird. I don't know. We'll see. They got a what? Nine days, ten days to figure it out before they have to get out on the field again. I mean, and the funny thing is, you would think that the way that we've talked over the last hour, hour and a half, you would think this team's like one in five. And they're five and one, and if they went out, are going to play in the Big 12 Championship. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I mean, I guess it technically is true that they have a lot to play for still. And they've been in this position two of the last three years, losing early. You know what I think is... a team that they shouldn't have lost to. You know what I think is very likely? Is that Texas is going to go out and lose a couple of games. Oh, I think that's that's, I think that's a fact. I don't think it's going to happen this weekend. Uh, people will hate me for this, but the game that I might circle, another team that's been struggling and playing awful, Oklahoma State. Yep. Oklahoma State's going to be one of those teams. They're, they're probably not going to make a bowl, but they're going to beat somebody they shouldn't, and it could be OU. Oh, they won't come down to Norman and win. Justice Hill's pretty good. That yeah. offense for Texas is just not good enough. No. Sooner or later, somebody's going to catch them on the wrong day. That defense isn't on where they need to be. And How good is that defense? They gave points. up 21 points in the fourth quarter. That's yep. the funny part. That you know, Todd Orlando gets praised, and then you look up, and it's like, well, he did give up 45 points on Saturday. He makes $2 million to do that. Uh, he would have got it. He would have caught a lot of heat if... Uh, but again, we, we can't say... Oh, you got their head kicked around and pretend 48-45 was indicative of what that game was. Oh, no. I mean... Texas went they, into a Texas, shell offensively Texas in the fourth quarter. did a really quarter. nice job defensively for 55 minutes of that game. Sure. They just... I mean, don't give me... Uh, they're I mean, they're really, they're really lucky that all OU had to offer was Marcellius Sutton. Yes. Because if they had Rodney Anderson, they played six men in the box, they would have been down by two touchdowns at halftime. You know, I mean, and if they had Rodney, they wouldn't have, but then you get things opening up for Marquise Brown vertically and that kind of, I mean, so, you know, that's, that's going to get circular, but the, somebody asked me the other day and, you know, Eddie said something just a little while ago about losing to a team they shouldn't have lost to. If OU and Texas play 10 times, I think Texas wins three. I don't think Sam Ellinger can play like that. Even as bad as OU's defense is, 
I thought he played about as perfect of a game as he could possibly play. And I thought he wasn't tested. So yeah, that no, he, I agree. So that's he would play right. like that. I mean, if you're not tested the entire way. You're right. That's it reminded right. me a little bit of, like, this season reminds me a little bit of, like, when OU played Case McCoy. It's like, when you feel like if you just throw the ball out there for your receiver and he's going to catch it every time and you don't get pressured, you feel comfortable as a quarterback. And I think every quarterback that plays against OU feels pretty comfortable because all they have to do is drop back and throw a ball down the field. I mean, the only sack of the game was by Curtis Bolton. And then the very next play was the little Not Jordan Caleb Kelly. The little Jordan Humphrey lets drag the entire defense 10, uh, 10 yards. Totally negated any good feeling you had about that sack. See, and the madness about that one is everybody's like, oh, the two third and 20s. The first one, okay, you want to put that on Mike, that's fine. That second one, that was just pitiful by the players. Tom Herman literally admitted on Monday that they were just trying to throw a screen underneath to give the punter more room. Yeah. Literally, he's like, I, I, he didn't say it, paraphrasing this, but he said basically we expected pick up six, seven yards and punt. Because they I were almost too far out field goal. I'm almost done. If they if if they go out against TCU, and they the secondary sucks and they can't tackle, and I see Buki missing tackles left, I'm done. I'm just I. I might ban secondary talk on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Choctaw Casino's Unofficial 40 Podcast. Appreciate Josh, Eddie, and Bob being a part of it, as always. And remind you guys to uh, go subscribe uh, to the Eskridge Lexus Postgame Podcast. Just look up Oklahoma Sooners Postgame on any of your podcasting platforms. Subscribe to that. Uh, also, subscribe to this podcast, if you haven't already. Uh, the Unofficial 40, Oklahoma Sooners Unofficial 40, uh, on all your uh, podcasting platforms brought to you by the Choctaw uh, casino and appreciate everybody for listening we'll be back again uh, this time next week uh, for another edition as we get ready for uh, the TCU preview podcast so thanks for listening we'll see you guys next time right back here on the unofficial 40.